listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. You may be seated and let me say good morning, church. It's always good to see everyone and to gather each and every week here. If you are joining us this morning, and we are in a series called Jesus Stories. And what that is, it is a series through several of the parables. This is what a parable is. A parable is a simple word picture that illustrates profound um, spiritual lessons. So it's simple in its story, using everyday examples, but they're profound in their spiritual meaning. And so far, we have looked at the parable of soils, the weeds, the mustard seed, even yeast. And they've all been used to increase the hearer's knowledge of really one thing. And that is, what is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? So the kingdom of heaven, this is what, when it's talking about this, it's not mainly a realm or, or a place that we might think of. You watch a movie, and there's this kingdom, and it's got walls surrounding it. But in this context, the Bible is talking about it not as a realm or a place, but as a rule or a reign. In fact, it's referencing this reality of what would it look like where God reigns supremely over in every thought and every action of his people. So first, if you were to turn to Genesis and you read through the Old Testament, God's kingdom was to be Israel. They were to be a picture of what it looks like for God to reign supremely over his people. Well, then you move through the New Testament, and this should be seen through the church today. Believers' lives are to paint this picture to the world of what it looks like for God to reign supremely, for Him to be in charge, for Him to lead and to guide and to care for His people. But because we battle and we struggle with sin, this reality is only partially, it's only partially seen. In fact, even if it's seen at all. But one day, we as believers believe that one day there is coming a time where Christ is going to return He's going to gather his church, believers from all ages, and that is when we will see in the fullness what it means for God to reign supreme. What it will look like for him to reign supremely over his people. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at three parables, and hopefully it will increase our understanding and even our desire To see that reality more and more. What does it feel like? What does it look like for God to reign supremely? So in your Bibles, find your way to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we've spent several weeks now in this chapter where Matthew's been recording several parables. We're going to begin today at verse 44. But as you're turning there, I want to tell you a little story about a girl named Jenny. You know, Jenny was this little cheerful girl, beautiful blonde curls, around five years old. She went with her mother to the store, as she often did. On this one particular day, they're checking out, and this object, as you've seen it happen in your own children, it catches her eye. 
sitting on the shelf between, you know, the cigarette lighters and the, the chapstick. It's this pink little cardboard box. And in it is a circle of glistening white pearls. And little Jenny, she quickly, you know, they reach out and she grabs a hold of that box looking up at her mom and she begins to pleading, oh, please, mom, please, 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 may I have this? Her mom reaches down, takes the box out of Jenny's hand, turns it over, looks at those pleading little eyes as we've all seen. $1.95. And that's almost $2. The mother says, you know, if you really want them, I could probably come up with some extra chores for you to do around the house. Or you know what? Your birthday is just around the corner. Maybe you'll get some money for your, from your grandparents. Man, little Jenny's face, it just lit up with the hope of this little pearl necklace. Well, as soon as Jenny got home, she runs into her room, grabs that piggy bank, turns it up, shakes it over the bed, and counts out 22 cents. Man, after supper, she is so eager. She can't wait to be done so she can start on the chores her mother came up with. In fact, Jenny, she even runs next door to the neighbors and says, May I pick some dandelions uh, out of your yard to do anything to have that extra money for the pearls? Well, Jenny, she could not have loved these pearls anymore. They made her feel special and all grown up and even a princess. And she wore them everywhere. She'd come to church and she'd have them on. She would wear them to school, even to bed. In fact, the only time she ever took these little pearl necklace off was when she was swimming or going to take a bath because her mother told her, Jenny, they may turn your neck green if they get wet. Oh, but Jenny, she loved those pearls. So sometime later, her dad walks in. It's time to go to bed and he sits down next to her, as he often did. He said, Jenny, do you love me? She looks kind of puzzled at her daddy, and she said, oh, yes, I love you, daddy. Then give me the pearls. Uh, she couldn't believe what she was hearing. She clutched that little necklace with her hand, and she said, daddy, not my pearls. But if you want something, take my favorite princess with her little white horse that I play with all of the time. Her daddy simply said, that's okay, honey. Daddy loves you, and he kissed her on the cheek and let her go to sleep. Several days pass, and Jenny's dad sits down on the bed once again to tell his daughter good night. And he sat down on the edge, and he said, baby girl, do you love me? Jenny kind of giggled. She said, of course, I love you, daddy. And he said, give me the pearls. Once again, she pulls the covers up over her neck, and she says, not my pearls, Daddy. What about my favorite doll that you gave me for my birthday? I really love it, but I would give that to you if you wanted it. He said, that's okay, sweetie. Daddy loves you. And he kissed her on the forehead, and he told her to have sweet dreams. A few nights later, Jenny's dad came into her room to tell her good night, and he saw her sitting in the middle of the bed. As he came closer, he noticed her chin kind of trembling with big tears just rolling down her cheeks. He says, what is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but lifted up her little hand to her daddy. And when she opened it, there was that little pearl necklace. With a little quiver, she finally said, here, daddy, you can have my pearls. 
With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's daddy reached out with one hand to grab that dime store necklace. And with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls to give them to Jenny. You see, he had them all the time. He was just waiting for her to give up the cheap, fake pearls so that he could give her a genuine treasure. So this is what little Jenny realized. There's joy in losing everything. So look at Matthew 13, beginning in verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven, this idea of God ruling. He says, it's like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered it up, or he buries it again. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. So this first word picture is of a man who finds this hidden treasure. In fact, I don't know if you remember, it's probably, I think, three years ago, early 2014. There's a couple in Northern California. They had bought this land, and they're spending some time there, and they uncovered eight tin cans underneath this tree. They didn't understand really what they found. They opened it up, and inside they found eight cans full of gold coins that were minted during the Civil War time from 1847 to 1894. Of course, they took and they had it appraised, and it came back at over $11 million. Imagine buying a home and excited about the land. You're simply walking, and all of a sudden, you stumble upon $11 million. Well, we're not given much detail on this man that finds his treasure. Perhaps he was like this couple walking through his land and he simply finds this hidden treasure. Or maybe he's a servant and he's plowing the fields and he uncovers this treasure. We're not told even what the amount is. But he knows it's valuable because he puts the treasure back and he sells everything he has to buy this field. Now this should raise some questions because it's very different than maybe how we would respond today. See, back then people had valuables and they didn't have safety deposit boxes in their banks. They didn't have safes in their home. And so what you would typically do, you would typically bury this treasure, especially if you were in an area that experienced a lot of war. People would come, they could steal, they could plunder. So you would bury your treasure. So when this happens, this man finds this hidden treasure. So it wouldn't have been uncommon for somebody to do this. And at first glance, we might even think this man seems unethical or maybe even immoral. He finds this treasure, he buries it, doesn't tell anyone. So then he goes and he buys the land so he can have the treasure. But he discovers it, and when he does, it doesn't belong to him, but he buries it again without telling anyone. You might be thinking, okay, well, he would have a duty. Shouldn't he report it to the authorities and wait however long, and if nobody comes forward, it's his. But that is not according to Jewish law. In fact, it's very specific about this example. In fact, if you were to find an object... And the owner was unknown. As long as you found it outside their home, it belonged to whoever 
found it. In fact, the landowner, you would have no claim to it. But the man, he did have honor. He, he was ethical. Notice what he does. He puts the treasure back, and he goes and he sells all that he has. He liquidates all of his assets to buy the land. You know what he could have done? He could have just taken the treasure and not told anybody and just become rich. Or he could have taken part of it and then went and bought the land. But he puts the treasure back where he found it and he sold all that he has. He sold everything he had on the face of this earth and he bought the entire field just to have that one treasure. But don't lose sight of what's really going on inside this man's heart and mind. He doesn't go out and cash in his retirement account, doesn't sell all of his possessions, his wife's china, his guns. He doesn't take out and cash in his savings bond, doesn't sell his cars reluctantly. Look at what it says He went, and in his joy, he sold everything. Everything of value that he had, he was excited to do that. Now, how how could that be? How can it be that you would sell everything you have, and it bring you joy? I think it only happens when you see that you're gaining something that is more valuable than what you're giving up. It'd be like this, on September 2nd uh, of this year, actually, something happened. Most of the world didn't even notice. It actually happened on a football field. It happened on the football game between USC and West Michigan. Number four, USC. In fact, they come and they win the game 49-31. to But it's what happened with about three minutes left when the game was pretty much already decided and it's just an ordinary point after attempt. When Jake Olson from the Trojans were kicking the extra point and Jake Olson came on the field to snap the ball. Seems like an ordinary play. But I remember reading about Jake. I remember hearing about Jake eight years ago. You see, eight years ago, uh, Jake was born with tumors in his eyes. The doctors had to remove one of his eyes when he was just a few months old. But boy, that didn't stop Jake from living a full life and even playing the game that he loved. Started playing flag football, they put him at center. He could see with that one good eye and he loved football. Man, as he grew up and as he began to love the game... He also began to cheer for the team that his dad rooted for. And he became a huge UFC fan. But the story of Jake kind of made its way to the team and to the coaches. And so they invited Jake to come out to a practice. And man, this just made Jake's day. He was invited to come. He got to meet some of the team. In fact, there was one uh, player in particular that just... Kind of, they just bonded quickly. But when Jake was 12 years old, he received the news his family was always dreading. The tumors were back, and the only way to save his life was to have his one good eye removed. Now, can you imagine this, that you know today, today is the last 
day that you will ever see. It's the last day that you'll ever see the trees, the clouds in the sky, even light. When you wake up tomorrow, the world will be black. You'll never see your mother. You'll never see the face of your father again. So on that eve of that surgery, his parents asked Jake, Jake, what do you want to do? And he said, that's easy. I want to go to UFC's practice. So his last night is spent on the sidelines between his mom and his dad watching his favorite team practice. They go home and can't you imagine the emotions going on in this family? So his mom sat down next to Jake and said, uh, Jake, how are you feeling about all this? And, and she, he looked right at her and he says, Mom, it's, it's okay. Man, when I wake up tomorrow, it'll just be the next chapter in my life. So how in the world can a 12-year-old have that kind of perspective? How can he have that kind of joy? I think it's because he valued his life over his eyesight. And that is the only way to have joy in losing everything. So this treasure this man just stumbled upon, it meant more to him. It was more valuable than anything he had, even when you put it all together. So Jesus is saying this. He's saying the kingdom of God, or at least it should be like this. The kingdom of God, he says, there is joy in losing everything. Just look at verse 45. And again, and again the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. And so we have this very similar word picture, but this time it's a merchant, maybe like an antique buyer, somebody that went around searching for valuables. I don't know what's that modern show, uh, American Pickers. Where they'll go into a place, a warehouse, a shed, and they're looking for something of value. And this merchant goes searching. He doesn't stumble upon He goes searching for fine pearls. And this is why they were so valuable is what it took to get this pearl. In fact, modern day diving equipment wasn't around. So what you would do your entire life, you would train your lungs to expand that you could hold your breath for long periods of time. Then you would tie rocks to your body to weight you down so that you could harvest the oysters. So it was very dangerous, it was very risky. And what it did then, then it creates pearls of great value. So this merchant is going from place to place and he begins to examine these pearls. And when his eyes lay upon that one pearl, he knows of its value. And he does exactly the same thing. He goes and he sells everything he has for one single pearl. So Jesus is what he is doing. He is taking these two parables to reveal one major thing. They're both about this. The kingdom of God, he says, is so valuable that losing everything on earth but getting the kingdom, he says, man, that is a joyful exchange 
So through these parables, Jesus is telling us over and over again, there is joy in losing everything. In fact, this is exactly what Paul was saying. If you were to turn to Philippians chapter 3, maybe a verse you've memorized. It says, for whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. When you take everything I've ever had, and you put it up to Christ, it doesn't come close. Indeed, he says, I would count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things. And he says, I count them as trash in order that I might gain Christ. So in the point of Matthew 13, 44, Philippians 3 is that people who receive the kingdom, when that happens, they treasure it more than anything else. And I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that, but when they come and they discover the kingdom, it's like everything changes. But I want to be clear on one point. This parable is not saying that you can earn or you have to sell everything you have to buy your way into the kingdom. In fact, you can't buy it. You can't earn it. In fact, if you gave everything you ever had and everything you ever will have and you put it all together, it still is not come anywhere close to meriting your acceptance into the kingdom. But, but you get it freely because you want it more than anything else. And that's the point of selling everything in these parables, is simply showing the heart of the person. Matthew 6 tells us that where your your treasure is, that is where your heart is also. And if your heart is to have God's kingdom, meaning His rule, His care over you, then Luke 12, 32 is true of you. Where he says, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that's the point of these parables, that there actually is joy in losing absolutely everything. So I think the question we need to ask this morning is this. Are you a part of the kingdom? Are you living under the rule of Christ? And as we think about that, Jesus closes with one parable. It's very similar than last week. Look at verse 47. He says again, the kingdom of heaven, his rule, his reign, is like a net that has been thrown into the sea and it gathered fish of every kind. This net gathers and there is no discrimination. Fish of every kind. And when it's full, meaning when the time comes men drew it ashore and he sat down and he sorted the good into containers and he threw away the bad so that it will be at the end of the age the angels will come and they will separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth have you understood all of these things and they said to him yes And he said to them, therefore, 
Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who brings out his treasure what is new and what is old. Meaning Jesus will one day return and all the things of this world are going to pass away. All the things that we are chasing and we are trying to accumulate will be seen as foolish. And the great net will be cast Those that are good fish, those that are righteous, those that are in Christ, they get to be a part of his kingdom kept forever to enjoy the supreme reign of God. But those that are not part of the kingdom, those that have rejected the truth of the gospel, those with hardened hearts, do you see what will happen? They will be thrown back. They will be cast out forever and ever from the presence of Almighty God. So I think the plea this morning is to honestly answer the question, are you a part of the kingdom? And so this is what I want to conclude with this morning. It's an observation about these two parables of the treasure and the pearl. It's interesting that both people find a treasure. One just stumbles on it, but one goes searching. But it is so valuable that they are willing to give everything up to have it. In fact, I think that's the reality when you come to know Christ. Everything becomes less important and valuable when compared to knowing Christ. When you truly embrace Christ, there is not anything that you would not give up to have Him. But I think the sad truth is that too many of us, myself included, we find ourselves holding on to those dime store pearls. And Christ is offering us the real deal. So are you holding on to those fake pearls, hoping that they're going to bring you lasting happiness and joy? Or are you really ready to exchange those fake pearls for genuine, true, eternal joy? And that's been my prayer this week for myself and for you, that we would loosen our grip on those fake pearls and receive true, lasting treasure of Christ. And when we do, then we get to discover that there really is joy in losing everything. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.